place where I feel safe Don't have to run away We serve a mighty God We serve a mighty God Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, we serve a mighty God. Oh yeah, we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, we serve a mighty God. You are mighty Lord, mighty, yeah, mighty, mighty God, mighty Serve a mighty God. You are mighty, Lord, now mighty. Oh, mighty, mighty. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. Awesome God, awesome God, awesome God. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God, we serve an awesome God, we serve an awesome God, awesome God, awesome God, awesome God, we serve an awesome God, you are awesome Lord, awesome, oh yeah, awesome, awesome God, awesome God, awesome God, we serve an awesome
serve an awesome God. Oh, we serve an awesome God. Awesome God, awesome God, awesome God. We serve an awesome God. He's my healer. He's my healer. Awesome God, awesome God, awesome God. We serve an awesome God. Oh, give him praise. Give him praise. Yeah. Amen. Who's excited to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Amen. Well, it's going to be a wonderful night, a wonderful night of church, of course, as we always have. We do want to make a couple of quick announcements. This coming Saturday is the big Easter egg hunt. It'll be at 12 noon, and it's going to be a wonderful time. You will see hundreds of little kids out here in the field, and it's going to be wonderful. If you ever heard of uh, locusts coming in and devouring a field, you know, it's there one minute and it's gone. When those kids take off across the field, it's covered with eggs, and like in a matter of seconds, it's just completely gone. It's beautiful, but it's an awesome time for us to outreach and love people and love our community and love your kids. It's at 12 o'clock, and you want to get here at least an hour advance, a half hour in advance to that to register and sign up, and it's going to be wonderful. Also, a big, huge deal around here, next Sunday night is The Mix. It's going to be at 6 o'clock, a wonderful service for our young adults. For our young adults, everybody's invited to the 6 o'clock service. We want you to be a part of that. The pastor will tell you more about that. But it's going to be young adult oriented. And for our young adults at 5 o'clock, for our young adults, we are having a fellowship that will start in the gym at 5 o'clock. But services at 6 o'clock, child care is provided. It's going to be a wonderful time, and it is going to be special. With that being said, thank you so much for coming tonight. We're here. We're excited. We're going to have church. Let's get out. Start it right by welcoming each other here in the house of God. My God is great. My God, my God.
honor his presence here tonight. Let's close our eyes, open our hearts, raise our hands. You might have had a need tonight and you just didn't feel to come down to the front, but it doesn't matter because his presence is here and he can minister to you. He wants us to give us his burdens so we can be free, free to worship him, free to live for him, free to choose for him. So let's raise our hands tonight. Let's lift up our burdens to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for those that are here tonight, Father, that may not have had a, enough courage or enough strength or whatever it was, Lord, to bring them down, bring their need down to the altar tonight. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, that you would move over them, that you would move in their situation, that you would show yourself mighty and strong. Lord, we ask that you would lift up the stumbling brother. Lord, ask that you would restore relationships tonight, Lord, that you would provide finances for those that need it. Lord, that you would work a healing power in those that need that as well, Father. We believe in you because you are everything, and there's nothing impossible for you. As that you administer tonight to your people, as they look for your presence and worship you tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we prepare to give, I, I'm sorry, but I still can't. Cameron, I can't get out of my mind what you shared about this morning. I still can't. I've been thinking about it over and over and over all day of, you know, it's easy for us to, to get our mind on things that we don't have and things that are going wrong in our life and the needs and everything and the storms and the, and the problems that we have and the troubles that are around us. But when we get somebody that'll stand up and stand up for something that's going good, in his life. And when we get somebody that does that, it just encourages us to, to refocus our thoughts. And when you start to think about all the good in your life, it's easy to find it. You know, and I've been thinking about all day uh, of how thankful I am now that I've been on that mindset, Pastor Cameron, of how thankful I am for this church and for the people that the Lord's brought to this church. We have a good church. We have a lot of people here that love the Lord. And it's evident that they love the Lord. And there's a lot of people that might not be in the front line out there in the battle, but they sure do support and do everything they can to help. And I'm so thankful for you tonight. The unsung hero, the one that's behind the scenes, the one that's faithfully giving, that's constantly on your knees in the morning, praying and supporting the church and what's going on here. You don't have to be in the front line to be part of what's going on. You just need to be in the body. And I don't know, I just feel that the Lord wants to speak to you tonight, wants to encourage you. You may think you're not doing much, but you being here, you praying, you loving, and you supporting the church any way you can. 
is honoring him and it's honoring the work that's going on here at this church. So let's pray for the offering tonight. Lord, we thank you for those faithful ones that's been here, Lord, for the generations. Lord, the ones that are on their knees early in the morning praying, Lord, that you would continue the work in this church. The one that's given their time, Lord, and their efforts and their talents over the years. The ones that support this place financially, faithfully, Father. Lord, we pray for them tonight. Lord, I ask that you would continue to encourage them and lift them up and strengthen them, Father. Lord, and that you would honor them in a special way for all that they've done for your kingdom work here. If it wasn't for them, Father, this work may not have gone on, Lord, but we know that you had a plan, Lord, and that you work through them and you continue to work through them to keep the work going here, Father. I ask that you would bless them and bless all that give tonight as we honor you and honor the work that you've given us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right after, right after service this evening, we're clearing this platform, getting ready for Easter, and I'm glad to see all the strong guys came back tonight to help us do that. So don't rush out of here. We're going to have a party. You're going to love it. Um, so be here. And if you leave, we'll know who all the strong guys or who all the weak guys are. So we're going to be watching that and forming a list. Okay. Tonight we're going to do, this will be the opening for Easter, and we're going to do it from what we call the beginning. We sing this song around here a lot, but we don't do it from the beginning because the intro is so long, but we want to kind of feature the orchestra tonight. They do such a good job, and let them play a little bit. So this is You Are Worthy from the Beginning. Yes, only you are worthy. 
crucified on Calvary, only you are worthy. Blood, died, buried in a borrowed tomb, only you are worthy. omnipotent, mighty, awesome God. Well, I tell you, thank you, choir. Didn't they do a good job? One more time, won't you just thank them tonight? 
Won't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Have you ever thought about the fact that, you know, we, we talk about it and it's been made mention many different times, but we're told in Scripture, and give an example, but we're told over and over again that, that Jesus, He's there for us, He intercedes for us, He's ever interceding before the Father, at the right hand of the Father. The Bible talks about Jesus praying for us. Now, we know that, we've, we've kept that in our hearts, and, and we've often thought about it, and I've shared it with others, but, you know, I've really been, I've been thinking, I had a picture in my mind, I thought, you know, I would love to listen to the prayer that Jesus is praying for me. You ever thought about that? What is Jesus praying about concerning you? That's intrigued my mind. I've asked him to show me, to let me hear it. I want, I want to know what that prayer is. There's so much brokenness in this world. So, so much that, that hurts people. And, and I, I watch and I, I see people that are going through the different situations and trials of their lives. It, it breaks my heart. It, just, it really does. I'm just trying to be real with you. And I don't want to be super sappy, but when I watch other people going through situations, it just, it blows your mind, the, the different kind of things that are always going on around the world. And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus intercedes. You know, intercession is different than just saying prayer. Interceding means you are literally praying the prayer. The prayer that's needed. The prayer that'll affect change and make a difference. It's, it's powerful prayer. I want to know what Jesus is praying over me. And if I could hear him praying for me, for instance, in the next room, I don't think I would ever fear again any trouble, any anxiety, any trouble or stress that I'll ever face in my life. I think if we could hear, Kyle, what God is praying, what Jesus is praying for us, it'd blow our mind. And boy, we'd be given all kinds of confidence. Yet we understand and we know that while we, we don't have him standing center stage here praying for us in the flesh, in the spiritual realm, we know there is no distance between his prayers and our heart. There's no distance you've ever had the experience of someone praying for you there's you know when you're going through a hard time as a matter of fact i appreciate two folks in this church tonight because i had a particular kind of wrestling match going on in my own mind and heart this afternoon and two folks walked in and and as i was walking by them or came by them they they came over and 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 spoke to me specifically concerning my own the flesh that i had struggled in today and I thought that was so amazing. And I got over here and I said, Lord, you just, you rock. (laughs) You're amazing. The very thing, you know, he's ever interceding for us and he knows what we need. There's something beautiful about the way that he works through us together. I came in here and I was kind of struggling and wrestling with something in my heart. It had nothing to do with my word or what I was going to preach, but I was something else I'd been wrestling with. And you know, by the time I got into the lobby, one person 
gave me an encouragement word on that. And then I get into here and I'm starting shaking hands and another one comes up out of nowhere and gives me another encouraging word. And I just thought, man, that is the way the body works when it's in complete unity. When it is just joined together and it's the body of Christ working together as it's supposed to in the word of God. I'm going to read a scripture from John chapter 17, verse 20. I'm going to talk about, I've titled the message, One. One. I want you to imagine, as I, I kind of, you know, gave you a little bit of an appetite, to, a little hunger, a little thirst maybe, to know what is Jesus praying for you. I want you to hear a prayer that he prayed. And I want you to imagine, if you would, if you even feel comfortable while I'm reading the scripture, I'd like you to close your eyes and just imagine that Jesus is praying this prayer just for you. Listen to these words. I do not pray for these alone. These alone, meaning his disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. Then he gave the reason why. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and they have, and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Is there just about anything more beautiful than what we just heard? I don't know if it touches you tonight, but it touches me. Jesus doesn't want us to just be servants in his kingdom. On the night, on the, the times before he was being arrested, one of the very last prayers he prayed, he said, Father, that they may be one together as you and I are one. He said, them in me as I'm in you. He was just going back and forth on that relationship. I declared, I wrote right here next to my notes, I said, that's the perfect church. He said, I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Father, we do pray tonight 
And I pray that prayer along with you, Jesus. I pray that you will touch and minister, that you'll challenge us into a deep and intimate, personal relationship with you like we've never known before. I pray that tonight will touch our spirits and our hearts. That'll give us a great desire to be close, so close, to become to become so unified together that, Lord, your work cannot be stopped. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demands that Linus change the channel, and she threatens him with her fist if he didn't do it. And he says, what makes you think you can just walk in here and take over? She said, these five fingers, says Lucy. She says, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them up together into a single unit, they are a weapon that is terrible to behold. He said, which channel do you want? Then he turns away, looks at his own hands, and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? Before Jesus actually went to the cross, he... He prayed this prayer that I just read to you, and there's so much more in John chapter 17. He prayed that prayer. That was what was most important to him before he was getting ready to be crucified. If you look at John chapter 17, where he interceded for us, it's kind of divided into three sections. Verses 1 through 5 talks about Jesus himself. He prays for himself as he gets ready to go through what he's fixing to go through. Then in verses 6 through 19, he prays for the disciples and he calls them out and, and wants the work that he's done in them to go on. And then he goes on and includes us, starting with verse 20 through 26, which I just read you. And there it begins, and it talks with, you know, I always look for the places in the Bible where I'm included. I like where the Bible talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts, and it says, and the promise is to your children, your children's children, and your children's children, all those who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I always, when I read that, I go, that's me. I'm there. For God so loved the whole world. That's me. And here, in this scripture, he begins and he says, and for all those who will believe on the disciples' words. He said, Lord, you and me, then them, my disciples, and then all those who will believe on their word. It's down to, you know, every one of us are disciples of the disciples. Did you know that? We're disciples of Christ, eventually, if you follow it all the way back. But that precious, beautiful word, that comes to us as a sign and an indication of what it is is the key to building a great and wonderful church for God that's built on that rock that he talks about, the rock of truth, which is Christ. The Bible says that the very gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I believe that Jesus expects, and we saw this in Revelation when he spoke to the seven churches, but I believe the Lord is expecting 
Not desiring, not wanting, not on a wish list, not that it'd be a good thing, but I believe the Lord is expecting that the church will be a dynamic and growing, fired up, kingdom working church for his glory, especially in these last days. I believe we are to be strong, we are to be on fire, and we are to be absolutely anointed, and we have to follow in to the pattern and the working of God that he set down through his word as we strive very hard to be the church that he's called us to be. And that church, the key to that church, I am believing with all my heart, is when Jesus prayed the one thing. He prayed one thing. Of all the things he could have prayed, on the, the time before he was getting ready to, to go. He, he had already told the disciples he was going to leave, he was going to be crucified, and he would rise again. And, and here he is in this prayer in John chapter 17, and he is literally, I mean, he could be praying for uh, strength, he could be praying for revival, he could be praying for the church, he could be praying for all kinds of different things. But what he prays, the very prayer of his heart is, Lord, I, Father, I pray that they will be one. That's a key. It's a key to success, if you will. It's a key to what God wants to do in a church, and that's the one thing that is fought more miserably in churches than any other, any other, if you want to call it, spirit in a church is that spirit of unity. That's fought hard. In, in a day and a time when there's so much societal class and there's so many folks who, who live in this dissection of, of their lives and they, they literally have spent all of their lives kind of separating themselves. We, we live in a country right now that is extremely separated. But as I look in the word of God, I see over and over again the cry of Jesus' heart in the pursuit of being what the Father had intended him and sent him to do was to destroy the works of the enemy, save that which is lost and to bring into unity the church that he would leave in this earth until he comes for her, his bride. That we would be unified. That we would be unified together as one. It's the thing we must strive for. It's the thing we've got to protect. The Bible talks about it in the New Testament. Paul writes several places about the unity. Ephesians talks about it. Several places in the scripture where it, it mentions that we're to strive for the unity. We're absolutely to work hard for the unity. The spirit, he says, the bonding of the spirit. Jesus prays for unity of the church. He could have prayed, as I said, for his own strength. He could have prayed that the 11 wouldn't desert him and, and go away. He could have prayed um, that they wouldn't flee from his teachings. He could have prayed so many different things, but his prayer was dominated by this unity. He wanted that to be the central message that he was preaching. Notice in verse 11 where he says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, when Jesus was praying for the original disciples, that was quite a task. I mean, that was quite a little job he had for him. If you remember, these guys were a bunch of vagabonds. They were guys come from every different type of, of occupation. And when they came together, there was a lot of tension between them. I mean, they were not, they didn't just walk around singing kumbaya all the time. 
they had a lot of issues. They had concerns. And yet Jesus is constantly preaching to them, teaching them that they've got to strive to be pure in heart. And they've got to be humble and broken. And they've got to lay their cares and burdens before one another to strive to get along peaceably as much as lies within you with all men. He's teaching them constantly. Why? He's wanting to lay the groundwork for this unity prayer. Wanting them to understand that they've got to have this. What the church can do, especially in these last days when they are unified as one body of believers. When they come together as a powerful source, kind of like Lucy's fist. Man, you put that together as one single unit. And that goes back to a scripture you've heard me quote many times in Genesis chapter 11. When the father spoke the words and said, because this people is one, now nothing that they will put their mind to will be withheld from them. That principle of unity, the Lord is trying to get that across to us. And it's something that we have got to see, we've got to seek, we've got to want, and we've got to desire and pray for it. Jesus prayed for it. It's so important that we protect it. That I make sure that I don't make myself more important than anyone else. That you don't make yourself more important than anyone else. You don't have any special privileges in this church or in the body of Christ because of your tenure, because of your tithe, because of your attendance, because of the, the, the class the level that you, that you live in. These things, whether it be uh, serving or whether it be ministering, no matter what, what societal class is placed over your name, we all stand flat-footed level at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we don't ever start thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We ought not to get to the place where we start to act like we got some special privilege or we've got some special consideration. We don't have any of that. The very best of us, the very best that we deserve is hell and forever in eternal flame. We all have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're one color. We're one nationality. We're one people in the power and the presence of God. And we have no special rights or privileges. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself. That's to lay down your rights, to lay down your desires. I'm to live out the perfect plan and the love and the unity of God in my life and in his body. That's the only way it can function. You've heard the scriptures that talk in Ephesians where he says, if the hand goes off here and does his own thing, if the ear says, I don't want to be the ear anymore, I want to be the eye or I want to be the mouth, he says, you'll have nothing but confusion. You'll have nothing, no order. You'll have no, no unity, which brings that spirit and that presence of the work be getting done, perfection, if you would. We've got to strive together for the prayer of Jesus to be fulfilled. The disciples went back and forth and bickered about who would be greater in his kingdom. You remember the sons of thunder, their mama got involved in it. Want to know who was going to sit on the right and the left. I mean, these guys were a bunch of egomaniacs. Jesus, Jesus looked at him and in his heart of hearts before his father, he said, oh Lord, Father God, I pray that they will be one. As you and I are one. Jesus knew something. He knew something. That he wants us to understand and know. He wants it to break our hearts. To me there's nothing. 
there's nothing that hurts me more. I, I get it from my mom. My mom was one of these people, Sister Wood. She was always for the underdog. I see somebody get their feelings hurt. I see somebody get mistreated. I see somebody feel like they're an outcast and they don't belong somewhere. Kills me. I can't stand it. It'll bring tears to my eyes immediately and I'll, I'll want to do anything I can to fix that for them. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they stand in my shadow or they have to stand behind me or around. I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. That hurts my heart. I would never want anyone to feel less around me. I had someone not very long ago who made an appointment in my office and it was just as simple as an appointment to come by and talk to me. And they spoke the words when they come in and they, they were just trembling. And they sat down and they said, oh, I'm just so nervous to talk to you. And I reached across the, the desk and I said, why? And she said, oh, well, you're the pastor. And I just, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And I got up and I went around the side of my desk and I sat in the chair next to her and I said, listen, I ain't nobody. I said, I got nothing but a call on my life, that's all. I said, I'm just a human being just like you are and ain't nothing that special about me. I said, don't you ever worry about talking to me. Don't you ever be nervous or worried about that. I said, that hurts my heart. I don't want you to ever feel like that. I'm your friend. I'm your brother. You're my sister. We're all in this together. I've got my place and I'm trying to fill it. I'm trying to do the best I can, but y'all make me a nervous wreck. You know what it's like? to come in on a Sunday night and see who in the world showed up to hear me speak? I mean, do you, I mean, I, I sit sometimes and I think, I thought this in the car and I thought, Lord, we had a thousand people over the weekend and Lord, they all sat there real nice and pretty and they had to listen to me for 45 to 50 minutes. And I, I, I sit there and I'm like, that, oh, oh. And the weight of that, the burden of that, that's when you really begin to go seek the face of God because you don't want to be up here. I don't want to waste your time. There ain't nothing special about Ray Phillips. And don't worry, I'm not playing humble pie. There ain't nothing special about me. There ain't nothing special about you. Outside of Jesus Christ, we're nothing, baby. We belong Scriptures declare when it was talking about those that were in, in debauchery and sin and terrible sinful acts and different things. And, and the scripture goes on to say, but such were some of you. But you have been washed and cleansed. But I will say this, I ain't nothing special in myself, but I'll tell you what, the night I got saved, something transformed inside me and I became a king's kid. And now I hold my head up just like you ought to because it's not in my strength. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who I belong to that I start walking around like I am somebody. And when I walk around in his countenance and in his glory and in his presence, when I walk around as one of his children, then I got something that I can hold my head up for. 
I don't have to be ashamed and I don't have to be disquieted within me. I don't have to sit down and take the, the back end of a room anywhere. I can walk in saying, I am set free by God's power. I've been transformed and the label the enemy tried to put over my head, it was washed away. And now it says, son of the living God. And in that there is power, in that there is notoriety, in that there is peace and there is laughter and there is a wonderful sense that I belong. And that's important in our church. It's important that you and I understand that we belong. We belong. We're part of the family of God. And we ought to feel like we belong. We ought to feel special to one another. We ought to feel like we have friends and we have family and we have brothers and sisters. I, I don't look at you and that's why I don't understand, you know, some folks will, will come in, blow in like a breeze and blow right back out. You know, I, I don't understand that kind of thing. I've been here 33 years. I can't, somebody says, well, are you going to leave us at the assembly? I'm like, leave my family? I mean, God would have to drop an a atom bomb down in, my, down in my living room to get me to want to seek a position out there or some, some kind of something or other that somebody wants to hand me. I had somebody say to me many years ago, use these very words as God is my witness and it's even on tape. They said, now, Brother Phillips, there are things down the road that we would like to talk to you about, but we're going to need you to step aside there from Stratford Heights and broaden your horizons. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying that that conversation kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. And then I got another phone call, and they said, we're wanting a yes from you Monday morning. You call my office with a yes, brother. We've got so many plans for you. And I was like, oh. I prayed, and 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 I wrestled, and I wrestled, and I sweated, and I sweated. I talked to close friends. I didn't know what to do. And then I, I just got alone. I said, God, what are you saying? And the Lord said, didn't you notice? I ain't saying nothing. And I said, you aren't saying anything? And he said, nope. He said, so you move when I tell you to, boy. You don't move until I tell you to move. Had I done that, I wouldn't have been given the dream job. I wouldn't have been here to be able to be your pastor. And I love being your pastor. And I love my church. I love it. Thank you. I needed that encouragement. <laughs> It's important that we, that we stay focused. That we stay focused on the things that make us a giant. He wants us to be giants. The problem is he doesn't want us to be giants in our own strength and for our own purposes. He wants us to be giants in his kingdom and in his work. He wants us to do things they are beyond us. You see, it's one thing to be able to do things in my own ability and in my own talent. And that'll get me, you know, down the road maybe a fur piece. But with him, I can do things that are beyond my ability, beyond my talent.
talents. I can walk on water if necessary. I can become a pastor of a large church. When everybody scratched their head, I wish you could have seen the people seven years ago who said, oh, that boy, that, that, that youth pastor, he'll never pastor this Stratford Heights Church of God. And I said, God, you heard that, right? I mean, I, I'm not qualified. I, I can't do this. I'm a youth pastor. I've never pastored in my life, Lord. This is a thousand-member church. And I'll never forget the night that I walked out of the gymnasium. The Holy Ghost had moved on all those kids in our youth service. We had over 250 in service. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and I was so arrogant and prideful. And I looked up, and I said, did you see those young people? I said, man, if you want me to pastor this church, which he had been just nailing me on for months. I said, if you want me to pastor this church, you're going to have to rip their those kids out of my heart. And the Lord shot back to me again. He's usually very quiet until he's just had enough of me. He said, who, who said anything about ripping those kids out of your heart? He said, I'm just trying to add their mothers and fathers and grandparents, and you are not hearing me. I sat in the parking lot of Stratford Heights that night, and I bawled for over 35 minutes before I could even drive out of the parking lot. I can't believe he gives such beautiful and wonderful opportunities to those who will look outside of themselves and who will look to God, who will make a way where there is no way, who will qualify you when everyone says you're not qualified, who will put a certificate of absolute approval over your life even though everyone else has said nay. When God says yes, there ain't a no anywhere on earth that'll stop you. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, that kind of resembles a little bit of what I talked about this morning when I shared with you about how a lot of folks look to the church. Sometimes they look to the the Christianity that they see in the lives of people who call themselves Christians, and a lot of them don't want what you have. They're not interested in the God that you serve. Because they see the inconsistencies in the life of those who call themselves Christians. They see division. They see you criticizing. They see you struggling. They see you not believing. They see you living a two-sided kind of coin life. They see you living one way in the church house and another one at the office. They see all of these things and they say, I don't want that. What they got is not real. And we've talked about that before. But I'll tell you another thing that this reflects, that reflects on this scripture. And that's simply this, that, that the, the world is looking to a church that is unified. is looking to a church that is one together. We, we all have different talents and different abilities. And we all have different preferences and worship styles. And we all like different music. And we all like different kinds of preaching. But here we are, <clears throat> all called together to be here. 
in this house, working under this roof, under this mission and this vision. And here we are as one body, working together, unified together. It doesn't mean we're all going to be singing the same chord. It don't mean we're all the same color in the crayon box. It means that we all belong in the box together. And we all are perfecting the work of the crayon, which I can't believe I'm using a crayon as as an illustration. But we all do the same thing. We're all drawing and coloring the pictures of the world that God is creating. And he uses different colors and different kinds of crayons in order to make that happen. We all belong in the same box together. We all belong in the same work together, in the same body together. And so it's not about competition and it's not about wrestling matches and it's not about division. It's not about fighting for first place. It's about all of us finding our place and getting actively involved in what God has called us to do. This is what matters and it's what's important. It's what will build a church. It's what will build friendships. It's what will build love among the brethren. I love when I don't have a problem in the world with anybody and I don't. But you know, sometimes some people come along and they got a problem with you and ain't nothing Excuse me, that causes me to stay awake more at night sometimes than when folks got a problem with me. I I still deal with that. I still got to go to a counselor someday. Liz, if you'll set me up, that'd be great. I I like people to like me, and I don't like problems. I strive hard for that, but I've also learned in my leadership that sometimes you just got to go with the flow, and not everybody's going to always like you or agree with you. And I'm learning, and it's getting better and better that that's okay sometimes. But I find that I I work hard to strive for those kind of unified things because I believe it's important. One person said to me years ago when I first became a pastor, he says, you need somebody that's an antagonist. You need somebody that's always fighting so that it'll challenge you. And I was just like, I don't really believe that. I don't know where that's written anywhere in the Word of God. I don't know that there's anybody called to be an antagonist. And if you are, then there's a church right down the street I would like to introduce you to. We're not called to be yes men. We're called to challenge one another. Iron sharpens iron. But we're also called to absolutely work together to be unified in harmony. A choir sings like they did tonight because all the parts have all of their, their, their uh, well, they, they have all of the, the parts memorized. And it makes a beautiful harmony when the altos and the tenors and the basses and the sopranos all come together. And when they sing, they're all separate, different parts together. It makes a beautiful harmony. We're a symphony like that orchestra. We're all working together for the same thing. All the parts in a car all work together. You know, everything that comes together in this little Fitbit I got on my, on my wrist right here, every little piece in there is working together to cause me to have, to be able to check my heart rate and to check my clock and to check how many steps I've run for the night and all kinds of things. I can do this stuff because all the little parts are all working together. When we'll strive very hard on what the key is, the source to our unity, and what is it? We see clearly what it is in the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, Father, that they may be one in you as I am in you and them and me. And we are in them and they are in us. In other words, the source of our strength is Christ. The source of our oneness is Christ. And when we build on him alone, when I pull you next to me and I'm determined, I don't have to 
go to a conference to figure out how to get along with you. I just got to get close to the Father. If the closer I get to the Lord, the closer I get to the Savior, the closer I get to the Father and the Spirit working in my life, the closer I get to you. I have found I can't not like somebody that I'm praying for. I have found that I can't dislike somebody that I'm working with. And we're in one mind together working on a mission or working on something together for the Lord. When our focus is on Christ and what Christ is doing, I have found unity takes care of itself. It comes together in a beautiful way and causes there to be such a growth, such a momentum. And there's nothing more beautiful than seeing a momentum in a church. There's nothing. We got to protect it. We got to, we got to make sure that we are working hard to keep it, make sure we feed it and we nurture it. We got to make sure we're staying unified together in the family of God and being the body that he's called us to be. As we are close to him, unity follows automatically. As we are in the Father and the Son, Jesus wants us to be impactful. He wants us to be an influence. He wants us to make a change in the world. But that's why, if you noticed, haven't you heard it? Haven't you seen it? I've seen it through the years. As a matter of fact, I can go back to 1980, between 85 and, and 88. I can take you back to a time in this church's history when there was a great division among us. It was one of the most horrible things I'd ever experienced or saw in my life. I was embarrassed and shamed by it. I hated every bit of it. Nobody could ever be proud of it. If they are, I don't know what planet they're from. There is no way you can look at things like that and ever think it's right or godly in any way. It was divisive and it was horrible and it was sad and it was lonely and it made this house here down at the old Harlem Park building, it made it sad to be in. Never forget one night watching people walk out. There was only, we were down to about 200 people in the congregation. And they were walking out into the lobby. And as they walked across the lobby, there no, not one person was speaking to anybody. They just walked out the building like herded cattle, uh, like a herd of cattle that was just walking out the doors, going to their cars. Nobody going to Frisch's. Nobody hanging out and talking. Nobody laughing in the hall or in the lobby. And I thought, that's what division will do it. That's what division will do to a church. That's what bad attitudes and disunity will do in a church somebody ought to stood up and said it ain't about my rights it ain't about what i want it ain't about what you want it's about what christ built and he built a rock church built on the promises and power of unity and when we understand that and we get rid of our self selfish thinking and our selfish will and desire we start wanting to pat ourselves on the back or pat our buddy on the back and we start building up little brigades of, of groups that, that tear down and we're all, it's just us four and no more. Those are the things that rip apart a church. Now we all can't go to Frisch's together. Frisch's would not have any room for all of us tonight. And so I'm not talking about that we all walk around in an amoeba cell. You know what that is from biology, don't you? We don't all walk around together and nobody does anything without one another. We're friends with one another, but that means something. That means I can go out with Kyle and hang out with him any day of the week, work on a mission project with him, and I can involve him in ministry, and then I can turn around and come over here and Dios le bendiga on Thursday night. And I can praise God and speak Spanish as good as I can, and we'll have a good time together. I can do that one night. Then I can come over here on Tuesday night, and I can dance in the aisles, and I can do the 
fingers way up in the air and I can shout to the music and I can dance to the lights and I can have fun in the house. I can do that on Tuesday night. That's unity. That's oneness. That's me being okay with everybody. I may not like everything you like, but I'm going to like what you like. I'm going to support it and I'm going to be okay with it and you can have it. When we truly understand, we got to work hard at unity. We got to work at it. Used to be, somebody said one night, one time they came in and they said, well, are you preaching tonight? I didn't want to tell them. Sister Judy, I was preaching, but I didn't want to tell them. I wanted to say, come and find out. You think I don't know everything. I saw one lady walk in. She looked at the bulletin. She went, huh. She walked right out the door, went to her car, went home. Think I don't know everything. I know what you say in the hallway. I know what you say in the back door. There's always some little Tweety Bird standing there close by that says, Pastor, you should have heard what so-and-so said. Unity means I don't necessarily like all the music you listen to, but I'm going to be okay as long as I know it's uplifting and it talks about Jesus and there's nothing that I think is opposing to our faith or our doctrines in it, then I'm going to support you liking it. I may not like everything that, I, that we do worship-wise. I may not always agree with everything that way, but you know, it all comes together that I'm going to stay unified in my church. I'm going to stay as one in this body because I've been called to be here. I loved what Brian and what Cameron has said today in their, in their conversations from the pulpit here. We've been on this campaign around the building, and we've been talking about how much we love our church. I mean, sometimes all you ever hear is the bad. All you ever hear is the people that, you know, just got problems. And I ain't going to focus on that because it's just always going to be there. I think Jesus said the poor you have with you always. And I believe you're always going to have the poor in attitude as well. And so you're always going to have them. They're always going to be there. So just forget it. And I've decided to quit focusing on them. And the last week, I've been focusing on what I love about my church. I've been focusing on all the things that matter and that are good and that are the best I've ever seen and that I feel good about. I love that when I come in here, I feel the presence of the Lord. When I get in anywhere and I feel the presence of God, I'm a happy man. I love that. I love the fact that people smile. I love the fact that people shake hands and love on one another and hug on one another. I love the fact that we all hang out. I love the fact that we went over to the ball game for Franklin this last week. And a lot of those folks, they don't have kids at Franklin. They, but they, they're from all over the place. But you know why? They were there supporting one of our members, Coach Brian Bales, and his team, and Evan Crow, who's on the team from our church. They were supporting them. And being a, they were over 100 people sitting up there in the fans. And I kept getting texts, hey, I see you. I see you. And we're taking pictures across the stadium from one another. And it was wonderful. You know what that was? That was unity. It was awesome. We didn't even know they were all getting together. But boy, we sure had us a party once we found out. It was awesome. 
It's awesome to have the kind of unity where we love one another. If I run into you at, at, at Myers, man, I'm going to talk to you for 15 minutes. People going to be, we have to be moving out of the way because people always want to get by us. That kind of love, that kind of unity, that's the thing. Jesus is saying, oh, would my sheep please get the message I'm sending? Father, make them one. Make them one. Work the process in them. Let it be something they understand and they get. As you and I are one, they must be one. In the last days, more particularly than ever before, we'll never get the job done. We won't. We'll absolutely reverse. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? We will reverse the work of God in this community. With our division. And I'm not preaching this tonight because I feel like we got a big problem. I'm actually preaching this tonight because the Lord laid it on my heart that this is what we need in order to step into where he's taking us. Because sometimes we, we literally, we just kind of, you know, we, we, we don't think about it. But we have to be intentional with our unity. We have to be on purpose with loving one another and searching out that, those ways to bond together and to be unified together. Because I, I know most all of you. There's very few I don't know. And, and I would say, by and large, I don't know anyone in here who has a bad feeling towards anybody. But I don't know that all the time we're consistent in striving for the unity that builds the kingdom. We can't be stopped if we're unified. We can't be stopped. My mother was in Miamisburg when she was a young mom. And there was, like I said, she was always for the underdog. She taught us to be that way. There was an old, older gentleman that was on the side of the road, and he had been drinking. And a younger man decided he wanted what he had, so he was just beating him up. And my mother, little skinny woman, pregnant actually, because she's having one of those six kids. She had on a blue coat and she saw that man, that young man beating up that other older gentleman. And my mother tore off and she ran across the street. She got up right in that big old bully's face and she did what only a woman would do. She said, Shame on you. <laughs> Spooked him. He took off running the other way. <laughs> she got up right in his face and didn't care at all. That's the way I feel about the enemy. I'm so ready to shame him. I'm so ready to put him to flight, to resist him. I'm so ready to tell him, man, as we preach this morning, he ain't near what he tries to portray himself as. He is nothing but a wind and a sound. He's nothing more than just trouble in a mask. That's all he is. He's like that little tiny chihuahua that barks its head off. You absolutely going to be scared to death of that thing until you see it. And that's the way it is with the enemy. Man, if we'll ever get a good view of what he is and who Jesus is, if we'll ever figure out who's for us and who's against us, if we'll ever match them up next to one another, I'm telling you what, we'll have ourselves one more powerful encounter that'll change our life and change this church. If we'll ever get involved with one another in such a way that we will become 
bonded and unified together as one and we'll allow the Lord to impact us and to use us for the kingdom's work, then we will be unstoppable in the kingdom. We'll absolutely be a tool in the hand of God to affect the change that we need. But see, what stops most churches is they get real mediocre. They get real average because they don't consistently fight for the unity that drives them. When Jesus left the earth on the right before his arrest, he prayed this prayer of all the prayers he could have prayed for you. He prayed this prayer, make them one. Lord, this is the key. This is what will build them. This is what will drive them. This is what will keep them. And this is what will build the church. Isn't it say in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That love comes through that relationship with the Father and the Son. And it comes through that powerful unity. And that is, I'm telling you, this is something I want us to pray about. It's something I want us to be challenged about on a Sunday night. It's something I want us to think about this week. Last Sunday night, I challenged lots of you to to come through what I call the nice campaign. I told you, man, the power of nice. How many did nice things last week? Did you do it? Several of you did. I had one lady come up to me and she said, thank you so much for that little challenge to the power of nice. She said, my husband opened up the car door for me. And when she asked him why he did that, he said, Pastor Ray. (laughs) You see, God is trying to set us up for something. He's trying to set us up for something. He wants this church to grow. He's got it. Man, if every one of us walk out tomorrow, God still is the one to set this church up. He's still the one that called this church. And we're all in this together. And God is wanting to use us. He's wanting us to fall madly in love with the work that's happening here. He wants us to love our community. He wants us to reach out and do what we can to minister to the needs. And we've got some terrific ideas that we've got on the table that we're going to be bringing to you. All kinds of things that God's going to do through us this year. We're excited about what God's doing. But if we'll ever get down to the basics and remember what are the things that truly build a church. I'm telling you, I hate to tell you this, even though we need it desperately and we're ready to sign the papers and get it completely done. It isn't a new building that's going to keep this church strong and build and keep building it for the kingdom. It's not the church of God that's going to do that. And as much as I hate to say this, it's not even me. The pastor has nothing to do with that. What it is, is the power of the unity of Jesus Christ is what's going to build the church. And when we all come together doing the work that God has called us to do, if we'll get our minds straight, our eyes on the prize, then we will be what God has called us to be. And it'll change. You know what? It will not only change the church, but it will change your family. It will change you. This last week, I started being all nice. And as I was being nice to everybody, I found it completely changed me. It didn't change too much about the atmosphere where I lived in, but it sure did change me. And that's the whole goal. The unity is that it will bring a oneness to our heart and it will bring a change to our life. And the niceness and kindness and goodness and patience and gentleness of God's word working in us changes us so that we come together to be a powerful force. For the work of the kingdom. Would you stand with me tonight? There's only one thing that will compel the entire world to become one together. And that is this supernatural oneness I'm talking about of the family of God. The Church of God at the General Assembly this last year had a campaign called One. One. 
They preached messages on unity and oneness. All throughout the scripture, it wasn't until the people came together as one that the power of God was unleashed. You know what I'm talking about? Acts chapter 2. And when they were all with one mind and one accord, a sound as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were praying. I tell, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure I didn't get it across nearly as good. My, my throat is killing me tonight. I'm sure I didn't get it across like I wanted to, but if you'll hear me tonight, search out, seek out, look at scriptures, study unity, oneness. Let it speak to your heart tonight and let it do, do the work inside you that it needs to do. We've got prodigals. We've got sons and daughters, husbands and wives that we're praying for. We've got, we got work that needs to be done. And it can't be done through more programming. can't be done through more of the things that we think we ought to do to make things happen. It's not in all of the things, the peripheral things like that. It goes down to something much more basic than that. It comes back to a love that is founded in a unity and a oneness with the Father and with the Son. And He's praying for us. I believe if I could hear Jesus right now interceding for the Stratford Heights Church of God, he'd be praying that same prayer. He'd be saying, Lord, they need that prayer of oneness. They need to be one together. They need the unity. Lord, as you, Father, as you and I are one together, let them be one. Seek out how to be one. Seek out how to be unified with your brothers and your sisters. Stop trying to figure out how to be opposed, but start looking to how you can be part. Seek out the ways that you can bring people together. You can build up the kingdom. Don't be one of those. It's so difficult as a pastor to work hard at trying to build up only to have some folks sit back and with their language or their talk or their conversations or with their actions do the opposite and reverse it and tear it down over and over again over the seven and a half years that I've pastored you over and over I've come into situations where I have seen it happen again and again and again I'm working on someone I'm working hard and I'm trying to build them up build them up I'm praying for them I'm talking with them I'm spending time with them and I'm building and I'm building I'm building and then all of a sudden out of nowhere I don't see them and I'm wondering where they are and I go to find out Cindy and in a conversation I find out that some good old boy who hadn't been in his word and hadn't been spending time in prayer, shot off at the mouth and just hurt their feelings and ripped their heart right out of them. And they said, I don't want to go to a church like that. How many times, how many times have I heard those statements made? Be careful. Be careful, little lies, what you see. Be careful. Little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouths, what you say. How you walk past somebody can sometimes speak a whole lot louder than you just taking a moment to say, hi. How hard is it to say, hi? Practice it, would you? Hi. Hi. 
it didn't even hurt, did it? How hard is it to go look somebody in the eye? How hard is it to walk past somebody and just take a minute? I came into this church and I told you I was kind of struggling today with some things the enemy was attacking my mind and my spirit with. And I walked into the lobby and first thing, somebody walked right up to me, grabbed my arm, encouraged me with the very thing I was struggling with. And I turned around and I got into the sanctuary and I was standing right over here and someone else walked all the way out into the aisle and come over here just to encourage me on the very thing I was struggling with. Nothing more beautiful than the body in unity building one another up. Building one another up. Kyle, Son, I know you've been through it. Your testimony the other Sunday morning, I have ate on that for weeks. I love what God's done in you. I love what I see in you. I know you got the long hair. And others might look at you and might scratch their head and think, does he go to church? Because you don't necessarily look. You know that. We've had that talk. Let me tell you something. He's one of the kindest, most precious, serving. You talk to him five minutes and you got Jesus coming out of his mouth. I'd put him up against any Christian I've ever met in my life. So be encouraged. Be, be encouraged. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. The church of yesterday might have put you down. The church of today says, lift him up. Lift him up. It's not my job to go around judging. It's not my job to go around putting people down. It's not my job to be God. God's job is not open. My sister Debbie told me one time, God is not in your job description, little boy. God's not our job. I think we got a good boss. And he wants to do something amazing through you. I want you to step out where you are and meet me for a unified prayer in this place tonight. Would you do that? The last thing that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17 was he prayed for the glory. You know what the glory represents? The glory represents all the attributes of God. It represents all that he is, omnipotence, omnipresent, all those things that make up God. Sovereign. When we talk about his glory, it's us being able to see him in all of his attributes. He said that I pray that the church, that they will know your glory that you've given to me. That they'll know the glory. 
God wants us to experience his glory. He's going to do that right now. Would you go over? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bind us together, Lord, in the spirit of unity. Touch us together to be one together, Lord. One heart, one mind, one faith, one baptism. God, touch us tonight. Minister to your people. Draw us with all cords of love. Draw us together, O God, and let us truly reflect your presence and power, your glory in the church, God. Let us see your glory in our midst. Let us sense and feel your direction and your leadership, Lord, as we move in the glory. Touch us tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, some of us, we feel so cold and indifferent. We've not had a desire or a hunger in such a long time. I pray for the body tonight. I pray, Lord, there'll be a hunger. There'll be a thirst. Rise up in every man, every woman, every boy and girl. I pray, God, you'll draw us together. That God will be of one mind and one faith. That your work will be done in our hearts together. Draw us together, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, we've got sons that need to be saved. We've got daughters that must be saved. We've got a work that needs to be done in this city. God, we've got to be about your business and we need your power. We need your kingdom glory. We need your direction. We need your leadership, God. We must have you touch us together. Lord, we can't do it individually. We can't do it on our own. We've got to come together. I pray for this bond of unity. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are Lord. You are God. You are the one who feeds our spirit, man. You're the one, Lord who builds us up inside the inner man, God. Bring us into full maturity. Touch the church to become mature tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We don't want to stay on milk. We want to get on the meat of the word, Lord. We want to be built up strong and mighty in your work. Touch us together, God, to be a powerful voice and a powerful work in this community. Touch us tonight. Empower us tonight by your spirit, for your service, oh Father. We pray it tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, we thank you tonight. Lord, you're doing something. You're doing it in our midst, Lord. Give us your glory. We want to step into your glory tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you reach over and just lay your hand on someone beside you and begin to pray for them? You don't know what they're going through. You don't need to know. You just know you've got to be one together with them. You've got to pray for one another. We've got to lift up our brothers and our sisters together. Oh, the enemy can't beat us when we stand as one. 
The enemy can't fight us and win when we stand as one. Ah, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We praise you tonight, Lord. Let your glory fill this house. Let your glory rise up in our midst. Oh, as we become one with the Father and the Son, let the glory begin to lead and guide this church. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tapamilia. <laughs>